Vince Russo is often blamed for the downfall of WCW, and it's easy to see why when looking at some of his stupid decisions. I could make an entire video just listing his terrible, terrible mistakes, but that's not the point of this series. Enough has been made of how horrible the final years of WCW were, so I'm going to focus on the positives. In this video, I am going to go deep into the year 2000 in WCW to try and find the good stuff. Before we get into today's video, let me know if you enjoy this kind of content by giving it a thumbs up and subscribing to the channel if you haven't already. Throughout the 90s, Booker T climbed the ranks in WCW, making a name for himself. With his brother, he was part of Harlem Heat, one of the most successful tag teams of all time. They won a record 10 tag team championships. And then, as a singles wrestler, Booker won the television championship on six separate occasions. But it seemed that the old glass ceiling might have been too thick for Booker to break through at the end of the 90s. But things were about to change. Vince Russo came in with his new ideas, and to be fair to him, the idea of elevating new wrestlers into the main event was quite a good one. Now, Booker wasn't exactly new talent. He'd been around for a long time, but he'd never really been given the chance to star in the main event. And it was clear from his time in the mid-card that Booker was an obvious choice to be elevated. To be fair, the first half of the year 2000 wasn't great for Booker. He almost fell victim to Russo's terrible writing when he was made to join the Misfits in Action and had to change his name to G.I. Bro. Lucky for Booker, Hulk Hogan was about to leave WCW forever. Russo had grown tired of Hogan's politics and he fired him during the live broadcast of Bash at the Beach in July. To fill the gap left by Hogan, a new main event was announced between Jeff Jarrett and Booker T for the World Heavyweight Championship. Later that night, Booker won the match to become the champion. This was his first of five reigns with the title. Of course, this being WCW, he was involved in a lot of shenanigans throughout the year. But the most important thing is, he was now seen as a genuine main eventer by the fans. Nobody would have guessed that WCW would be where Lance Storm would do some of his best work especially under Vince Russo. Back in ECW, Storm was known for his technical wrestling prowess. He carved out a reputation as one of the most proficient wrestlers of his generation. But it is safe to say that some found him to be just a little bit boring, a charisma vacuum, if you will. But Russo did a really good job of playing up to Storm's strengths, he presented him as a technical wrestling machine, and he won the US title, the Cruiserweight title, and the Hardcore title in quick succession. He held all of those belts at once. It was a masterstroke of heel booking when Storm renamed the titles. The US title became the Canadian title, the Cruiserweight title became the 100 kilos and under title, and the Hardcore title became the Sasquatchian Hardcore International title. Storm quickly got over as an upper mid-card heel. 
Soon, he joined forces with his fellow Canucks and formed the Team Canada faction, in which he was the leader, and he went on to challenge Booker T for the World Heavyweight Championship, and he was a believable contender. I honestly believe that if WCW had continued in some form, then Lance Storm would have been a main event heel in the year 2001. In his continuing mission to elevate new stars in WCW, Vince Russo failed on multiple occasions. Just look at the mess he turned Mike Awesome into, for example. But just like how a stopped clock is right twice a day, Russo did a great job when he showcased the natural-born thrillers. The WCW power plants didn't have a great track record of making superstars, but these seven men were some of the best trainees they'd ever had. Paul Orndorff trained them up and selected them specially to be sent to the main roster. They debuted as Russo and Bischoff's on-screen bodyguards and soon Mark Jindrak and Sean O'Hare won the tag team championships. All of the men were placed in prominent positions on the card and they frequently faced the established legends in matches throughout the year. Chuck Palumbo and Sean O'Hare were two of the standout stars in the team and for a while, it was thought that both men were going to have big careers in their future. O'Hare in particular was just thrilling to watch, as he was a heavyweight with the agility of a cruiserweight. After years of watching the same old wrestlers dominating in WCW, it was super refreshing to see these young guys getting a real opportunity in the company. While the likes of Palumbo and O'Hare were bringing tag team wrestling into the 21st century, Brian Adams and Brian Clark were very much maintaining tradition. The tradition of two massive meatheads absolutely murdering their opponents, that is. Chronic meant business, just like those classic monster tag teams of the 1980s. Over in the WWF, Smaller guys like the Hardy Boys and Edge and Christian were reinventing tag team wrestling, but it was nice to switch over to WCW and see Adams and Clark steamrolling through a pair of jobbers. You might have recognised Chronic from the WWF, where Brian Clark was Adam Bomb and Brian Adams was Crush. Russo repackaged them when they arrived in WCW. They won the tag team titles twice, before the company folded. In the WWF, Adams had struggled with the Crush gimmick for years and Clark totally failed to get over as Adam Bomb, but the Chronic gimmick just seemed to fit them really, really well. And their entrance music was totally awesome. Chronic. Chronic. One of the many terrible things about Vince Russo was his hatred for the cruiserweight division. He totally ruined one of the best things about WCW by turning the cruiserweight title into a complete joke and he sidelined the cruiserweight wrestlers themselves. By the end of the year 2000, Russo had been thrown out of the company and the high-flying division made an incredible comeback which led to one of the most thrilling matches of the year. It was a three-way tag team ladder match at Starcade. Evan Courageous and Jamie Noble versus Three Count 
versus the Young Dragons. Three Count was an attempt to give these talented young cruiserweights a personality. The men came together as a boy band, complete with an awful singing and dancing routine that went on for just a bit too long. Fans really hated them, but they were undeniably talented and a real thrill to watch. By the end of the year, Evan Courageous turned on his bandmates and sided with the brilliant Jamie Noble. The Young Dragons were Jimmy Wang Yang, Jamie San and Kaz Hayashi. They debuted in early 2000 and were really, really impressive. In fact, all of these men were really impressive and had WCW carried on, they would have been the new generation of cruiserweights. And this ladder match proved it. In the years since, this match has become something of a forgotten gem. We all remember the WWF ladder matches between the Hardys, the Dudleys and Edge and Christian from this time period. But do yourself a favour and check out WCW's version of the three-way tag ladder match. The year 2000 was an atrocious year for WCW on pay-per-view. Almost all of the shows were bordering on unwatchable, with one or two events being in the running for worst pay-per-view ever. While Fall Brawl in September was far from perfect, it was the best show of the year. It was the only show you could sit through from top to bottom without wanting to put a boot through your TV. Three Count vs. The Misfits was a very good six-man tag match, as was The Filthy Animals vs. The Natural Born Thrillers. The main event was decent and saw Booker T defend the title against Kevin Nash. But the real main event was the match between Goldberg and Scott Steiner. This was a fantastic brawl and one of the best matches of either man's career. The match marked the start of Steiner's elevation to the top of the company. Steiner had been ready for a main event push since around 1998. Throughout the early 90s, he was in one of the greatest tag teams in wrestling history with his brother Rick. But when the tag team split up, it was clear that Scott had all of the potential as a singles wrestler. But WCW being WCW, he couldn't climb any higher than the US title level. That was until right here, with his defeat of Goldberg. The Big Bad Booty Daddy was undoubtedly one of the bright spots in the final days of WCW as he became World Heavyweight Champion. He seemed genuinely unhinged and dangerous. Steiner was effortless in portraying a bad guy. His push came late in the year after Russo had left. The new booking committee, led by John Laurinaitis, absolutely made the right decision by making the genetic freak WCW's final boss. He had some really good matches against Booker T before beating him at Mayhem in November to become the World Heavyweight Champion. At the start of 2001, the main event scene had been stabilised thanks to the likes of Booker T and Scott Steiner. Steiner was the champion right up until the final episode of Nitro, where he lost it to Booker in the main event. So there you have it, those are my choices for the bright spots in the year 2000 for WCW. Most of the year was a total mess and completely unwatchable, but if you're only going to check out a select few moments, 
make it these ones. <laughs> 